welcome back to another episode of FinTech Walkabout, joined by Ralph Rogge today. Uh, we're going to be deep diving into another interesting person in the world of open banking and, and what their business Cresco does. So, Ralph, it'd be great just to get a quick intro from you just to get started. Great. Thank you for being here. This is very cool. So, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Cresco. We are an account-to-account -account payment solution. Before this, I came from a sort of another fintech background, which was what everybody's now calling revenue-based financing. And it was from that that I discovered open banking and PSD2. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. A Cambridge exec MBA as well? Uh, yeah, MBA Cambridge, yes, Columbia, a few things like that. Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, I'm an imperial boy, so okay. I'm not sure where that leaves us. Yeah, so I mean, dive straight in, really. We've seen this huge transition of kind of data sharing happening and we were talking about it before we sat down. Just that transition of screen scraping into open banking methods. How did that kind of, or what were the influences and, and was that influential in, in starting Cresco? And Very much on? so. So my last company was a lending company and it was a B2B lending company. And when you underwrite a small business, it's a very standard practice to ask for three months bank statements. And you would ask the recipient to send them to you and it would always go wrong. Yeah. If anything can go wrong, it would always go wrong. And they couldn't find the bank statements or they only sent you two months or some line items were sort of drawn out or they'd show you photographs. And you would, you would receive these statements and there would have to be a human on the other side that would have to go through them manually. Yeah. And that's why a lot of sort of fintech uh, lenders will say things like, get a decision in 24 hours, you know, because it's clearly not machine process sure. end to end. Yeah. And then I came across PSD2 and open banking, which is the ability to connect to the bank account, and you would get 10 years of bank data in a machine-readable format. In theory, yeah. So, in theory, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, this was a long time ago. Yeah. So I got very nervous that this would underwrite our entire credit algorithm, and, and it would be like, if we're not doing this, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be dead. You know, yeah, yeah. We, and we don't need to rely on the credit rating agencies. So it was a very cool way of underwriting then I left that company and, and I was like, okay, so trying to start up a new company. And I, I was focused originally on the data, but then with my co-founder who um, also went to Columbia, he was a teacher there. And we then decided to sort of shift towards the payments mm. away from the data. Okay. Because that's quite, uh, I think generally speaking, open banking split into you know, account information services and payment initiation services. You talked to us a little bit about kind of how you feel the two intersect from your perspective. Technologically, they're quite similar, right? You're using um, an, an open API that the bank provides to an approved third party. So the licensing for companies like ourselves or yourselves is very similar. Mm. The connections don't connect into the bank. I guess one is more of a read API. The other one's potentially read and write. Yeah. But it's, it's really just about connecting with the bank directly via a third party. And whether you want to, to look at the data or do what else a bank does, which is make payments, you know, that's, and that's what we do. So we, yeah. so we think, focus more on payments. So what really, what do you think shaped that? Because obviously you come from quite the, the data background. You said you've, you've moved transition into the payments realm. What, what was it that was like, hey, actually? The, I did have a fair bit of payment experience um, beforehand. and this type of fintech lending background is called as revenue-based financing today it used to be called merchant cash advance yeah you essentially forward people a certain sum and you get paid back via the payment gateway 
So I was very familiar with the payment ecosystem, the cost of payments, yeah. Visa, MasterCard. I think at the time when I was sort of transitioning into starting a new company, Adyen had just IPO'd. iSettle had been bought by PayPal, mm. uh, huge valuations, whereas it was quite clear that sort of funding circle was an obvious short. Lending clubs, share price sank incredibly. Yeah. So I think I just saw it as a bigger market okay. and more of a pain point. And um, th that was pretty much it. Okay. Yeah. So it'd be good to kind of just hear about the pain points today. So you mentioned Visa, MasterCard. Obviously, you know, the European Banking Authority and the, and the CMA have kind of brought open banking to the fore, PSD2 to the fore, to, to start to disrupt the infrastructure and the financial institutions themselves. What were, or what are the kind of current pain points? Can you give us like a lay of the land from your perspective? For payments? Yeah. There, there are many different ways that sort of payments, like different types of payments. If I sort of think about them at the top of my head, cost, you know, there's a cost to a payment. Mm -hmm. There's a speed, so a settlement time. Visibility is quite important. Convenience. So I think that those are probably the, and, and security. Yeah. So those are probably the five key pillars of payments. Now, the standard B2C payments that we are used to, whether we're paying by Apple Pay, and, and which will run through Visa and MasterCard, mm -hmm. are great at convenience. I mean, it's so convenient, it's incredible. But they're quite slow um, to process, so the settlement times, and they're very expensive, especially from an international point of view. Open banking payments are very quick, or account-to-account -account payments globally, very quick. They, the visibility is great because they're not stuck with many different intermediaries mm. that typically happens with these car payment rails, and they're incredibly cheap. They're not yet as convenient, which is why, as a company, Cresco was like, let's not go B2C, let's go B2B, mm. where the process is still very manual, and therefore we found that there was more friction point, it was lower-hanging fruit, yeah. and I think we've been successful in targeting B2B first and not B2C. Okay, and then what about that? So you mentioned security as well as another one of those yes. pillars. Just having this conversation with, with Bob Wigley the other day, and he's the chairman of UK Finance, and he's talking about how they're looking to insert, I think he said, some grit into, into the system a little bit because of just how fast faster payments are becoming. The the risk of fraud and money laundering increases because you're not getting enough time to do diligence on certain transactions. Kind of, so we get to get your thoughts on on just how that plays in. Yeah, to, uh, I would call him out on that. I wouldn't say <laughs> if anything's done by machines, it doesn't matter how long it takes, right? It's mm. you know you should be able to do it in real time instantly. I think there is there are two different types of security concerns for payments. There's a security risk for the payer. And there's a security risk for the payee, the, the recipient. So cards have chargebacks, which is great for the payers. So as a consumer, you do have this online protection, which yeah. is, again, why we didn't go for the B2C market. But then businesses don't like it because some honest businesses lose out to corrupt consumers. But then some corrupt businesses lose out to honest consumers. So charge cards, you know, that's one complication. Where I think open banking payments and there's been some mixed messaging are incredibly safe is if you were to open banking payments are essentially a manual bank transfer made more convenient mm. with visibility. And 
when you log into your bank, you are sending a message. You're just, it's, it's like putting an envelope in a post box and sending it out. Now, the Royal Mail will deliver it, but they don't know where it's going. And that's the same way with your bank. You'll put in an account number or an IBAN or a SWIFT code, and they'll send it out there. With us, because it is account to account, we have relationships with both source. transactions. Yeah. So we know where the money has gone to, and we know that this is a legitimate account. And we've done our due diligence on the recipient and mm. on the payee. And that is up to us, and it will take time to educate UK finance, the FCA, the payment services regulators, and the banks that this is safe. You know, beforehand, you only saw one side of the transactions. We see both sides. Mm. So what's been the... That's, that's a big piece of work, right? And, and we face similar problems at AppTap with challenges, let's say, around understanding consumer and trying to <coughs> help them engage with merchant. What do you think... What's been that kind of big challenge for you and the company in setting that up? Obviously, the, kind of, the regulator and the mandates that have come through have given both of our businesses space yeah. to play. You know how how's how's that how's the regulatory how have the regulatory mandates kind of helped you mold your business and, and what kind of challenges have you faced through that? So it was great that the regulation was implemented top down and they obviously allowed a bunch of pipsqueaks like ourselves to set up payment companies that hopefully are able to compete with these decade old behemoths. Mm. So thank you for the regulators from that <laughs> perspective. I would like more control. I would like it to be slightly clearer. I think there is a problem now where it's not quite clear who's in charge. And if you do something wrong, who holds you accountable? Sure. And so regulation is very good. It sets the rules. It's like a software program. It's like as long as you know what the rules are, we can operate within them. Yeah. Where it becomes vague is where you know, communication problems. Well, this um, is what we're seeing in VRP, right? Variable recurring payments. Yes. At the moment. Well, what's nice about the VRPs is before, yeah, I, I'm going to incriminate um, myself or not, <laughs> not do ourselves any justice. There is a, there's not a carrot or a stick right now. There should be a stick. You know, if, if things aren't done correctly, you break the law mm. and therefore you should be held accountable like any other uh, law. It's not really happening right now. It's fine. Hopefully it will take time and there's a lot of education. But with the VRPs, that is a bilateral agreement between um, ourselves and the banks and in that case there's a carrot so hopefully there's more of a sort of monetary incentive to improve the relationship between third parties like ourselves and the banks so for the for the bank then is is the reward for them just a lower cost of payment because you know direct debit versus vrp like, is there much for it or is there well, much in it for banks the banks they don't get paid for an account-to-account payment right mm. now, so they don't make any money from it. With the VRPs, that is a monetary agreement where we will pay them a certain percentage of the the transaction value. It's not nearly as high as the 2-3% two, two, that PayPal will provide. It's probably closer from a pricing perspective with direct debits, mm. but hopefully it's a technologically it's a better product, it's more convenient, and so... The banks have probably been like, well, what's in it for us? And, and now there will be something in it for them. Yeah. What about things like request to pay? Because it's, you know, from the outside looking in and not to do anyone any sort of an injustice or injustice who is working on request to pay, but it seems like two very similar, in terms of functionality, two very similar kind of rails, but 
obviously open banking has been mandated and there's a lot more evidence behind people actually picking it up. So you know, how, what's your kind of take on request to pay versus variable recurring payments? Is, that, is it worth doing both? Is it worth the pursuit? I think variable recurring payments will be very exciting. Like it, and I think variable recurring payments, it's, its main competitor is not direct debits, it's card on file. Mm. And, and that's you know, very expensive, very slow. Yeah. Very we go unclear. back to chargebacks and things yeah, like that. Charge yeah. And for example, variable recurring payments, there is consumer protection in those payments as to who is held accountable when things go wrong and the importance of protecting the consumer. So variable recurring payments is a much more consumer-friendly, convenient product. But it's not coming to the market. Well, I mean, we say it will come this year, but it's, it, there's one bank that at least we're working with, and yeah. then we need to get sort of four or five more banks on. Yeah. And then the rest. And then the rest. And the other kind of 300 plus financial institutions. Yeah, you need a lot of patience in open banking. Yeah, well, no, that's yeah. true. Um, which leads me into my next question, actually, around what your take is on how financial institutions have approached open banking. Do you think they've been constructive? You know, it's, obviously you've got to focus on payments, but from a wider perspective, right, we still see instances in which we're struggling to, to pull account information data in, let's say, a sustainable way, which is frustrating sometimes, obviously. But yeah, what's, what's your kind of take on, on how banks have approached? It's probably been very similar to the experiences that, that you've had. You know, when things go wrong, we file tickets and they don't get responded to as yeah. quickly as you'd like. The little guys. Just... Exactly. But I'm hoping that sort of with time that these relationships can be improved. I... Do you think you're having to like, pick your battles? Yes, this? certainly select your battles. I'd much rather work with them than against them. I also think it's quite, for me this is quite interesting, is that a lot of people think that open banking might disintermediate the banks. Mm. I actually think it will look after them a lot. I think it will disintermediate, I'm talking from a payment perspective, we're far greater competitors with the likes of Stripe or Adyen or Square, sure. who are trying to become banks anyway, right? They're, yeah. they're creating these e-wallets that Clown, hold the funds. Yeah. And these funds used to go back to the banks, and the banks used to be able to lend them out for mortgages. And now they're not getting hold of it. Yeah. So Now they're doing financing, right? And now they're doing financing, they're doing lending. Whereas an account-to-account is like, no, we'll send the money straight to your bank. And then you do what you're good at, savings and lending, loans. And we'll get you the partnerships with all the checkout solutions. Yeah. And so hopefully the banks will realize that their enemy's enemy is their friend and you know, we get to work better together. Do you think there's some evidence of that already, kind of the consumer relationship with financial institutions improving through open banking? Is it just too soon to tell? Probably too soon to tell. And we're not so consumer focused, so you would sure. know more than I would. Yeah. In well, I, I guess client, right? Like yeah. consumer in the broadest sense. You know, all of these businesses or merchants that you and I are working with, at least you know, we've kind of got this two-sided effect. It's consumers and merchants on either side. But the banks are still banking merchants as much as they are banking consumers. Yes, th that's true. And actually, this is quite interesting. There are certain products out there, payment products, that work better with some banks than others. And when we talk to our merchants, they're willing to switch banks to the one that is has a better open banking relationship. Mm. So it's a huge USV, right? Yeah, I think now that's you're open it. banking and if it makes it more convenient for them, then that's great. Yeah. So <laughs> you the segues, you're doing very well here. This is uh, <laughs> every next question okay. I've got yeah, it's yeah. almost as if you've seen the questions beforehand. Never. Do you think <laughs> <laughs> do you think it matters whether or not then a 
client or a consumer or a merchant knows what open banking is in its kind of baseline form? Or is it just about kind of how good the experience is? We have quite a few clients and there are definitely some that, you know, ask you far too many questions. You're like, surely you don't care. It's just got to work. <laughs> yeah. I think on the whole, people don't really go to the science museum, but they're very happy hanging out at the Apple store. Mm. So they don't need to know how technology works as long as it does work. But, you know, you can expect clients to ask any question and, you know, what is this? And, you know, is this Bitcoin? It's like, no, and how does this work? And is this safe? <laughs> Are you regulated? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But no, generally, maybe there's some friction at the point of onboarding. But once they get used to it, you know, they just keep using us more and more and more. Well, it's, I can't remember the name of the business I was speaking to the other day who are rewarding customers for using the open banking checkout journey. Have you seen any of that yourself? Because, I mean, they're essentially saying, well, only 5 million whatever consumers have actually used open banking-based products today yes. in the UK. So let's reward consumers for using payment checkout. Or, or so I, I know that stuff goes on, and obviously in credit cards you've got things like Avios Points, yeah. which is a sort of similar hook that they're trying to create. Because And those are B2C payment companies. And when we talked about you know, the five pillars of payments, you know, the cost aspect, that's important for the merchant. It's not important for the consumer. I don't care how much, you know, you know, whatever, the end recipient pays when I pay by Apple Pay. It's just yeah. super easy. You go into your corner shop and you're like, why can't I use my car? Yeah, for, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and again, we only accept cash. So, well, you know, not going here those companies that are offering rewards are trying to create a hook, a consumer incentive. Yeah. Ourselves, we are B2B, where that, that's not a problem. Like We're providing a more convenient payment solution to what was there beforehand. Yeah. Because Apple Pay, you know, it's not a B2B product. You know, we're really competing with sort of what, what was before, a very manual, burdensome process. Yeah. Okay. For the sake of those listening in, it might be worth just doing like a quick, like, this is how the flow works. So I used it yesterday, did a little donation okay. oh, on, great. on, yeah, yeah. on the Charity site. Donation. And it's a quick QR code scan and connect an account and done, basically. But yeah. always good to hear it from the horse's mouth. It's, I mean, most things are. It's really simple. It's essentially a bank transfer. You have to say that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish there was some kind of blockchain or AI involved, <laughs> and there isn't. It's, we... We redirect, so, so Cresco works primarily through accountancy software solutions, so invoices. So normally you would receive an invoice and it would have an account number on or a sort code on or a SWIFT code and you'd have to go into your bank and you would have to upload that data yeah. manually and find out where to put it and maybe the account number and the sort code's okay but you probably don't know where to put the SWIFT code or the BIT code or the, Whatever, the recipient yeah. bank address. With us, we put a link on that invoice you know, by whatever invoicing solution you're using. So we don't make the invoices ourselves. And or a QR code on the invoice. It arrives in someone's inbox and that link says pay now or the QR code and they scan it. And then when they scan it, they select their bank. So depending what country they're in, we show them the bank. And then we message the bank at that point and essentially say, this person would like to pay the, you know, the recipient in China or, or anywhere. 
and they get a message from their bank essentially going, it's all set up, and approve or not approve. And weirdly, the bank's perspective, they don't really know whether it was a human that did it or not, because it is very much, just from a messaging point of view, it looks like it was just set up by a human, but it wasn't. It was set up, you know, by a computer or an API that um, leaves no room for human error, and it's sort of safe and going to say does it matter but then yeah i think you've made the point right at the end there no room for human error and, and if it can just get done in a seamless way for both sides then exactly you know, surely we're and then we provide the other side with some kind of visibility we obviously send them a webhook a message going this payment has been paid so there's none of this sort of waiting around have you paid the invoice have you not yeah. you know you've been paid you'll get paid Writing paid on a piece of paper yeah, exactly. saying like yeah i've done that file it away yeah it's terrible dead cool so i mean Coming towards the end of our, our session, talked about a lot of different things as we've, as we've gone through the motions from security to fast payments to you know, how it all looks and feels. But w- what is it about kind of open banking and payment space today that gets you just you know, fired up? Yeah. Why, why do you get up in the morning? I, I really like it and, and fine, you know, whatever. Within this fintech space, you see so many, and we spoke about it this morning, so many companies... That I think historically, a lot of fintech was just focused on the UX mm. and the UI. Yeah. And you know, Stripe is running on very similar rails to WorldPay or First Data, but they provide a much better user experience for the developer. But in the background, nothing much has changed. Monzo is a very cool coal-colored card, but it's still MasterCard. Yeah. And we keep seeing new fintechs like, you know, raising huge amounts of money. And then you look at it, it's like, this is still MasterCard. Like, just buy shares in MasterCard. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas open banking is technologically very new. And I think the, the roadmap, what you can do with it from a you know, product perspective, will change over the next 10 years. So this is how we feel internally. It's like, yes, right now there's account-to-account payments. And then there's sweeping. And then you've got your data. Yeah. And then you've got your VRPs. I think it will go a lot further. Balloons out. Yeah. And people are already talking about open finance. It will not happen overnight. It will take years. But that... That's exciting for us. That yeah. means that there's a lot of, you know, when you're starting a young company and when you're hiring people, you know, everyone wants to be at the cutting edge. And, and I think that's where we are right now from a fintech perspective. What do you think the next, the next step is? So for someone like us, right, we're looking at payments and we're like, you mentioned it, sweeping. That's a super cool proposition. Hey, we've just saved you, you know, 600 pounds for the year on your telco bill. Mm-hmm. Let's sweep. 50 quid that you've just saved each month into your loan repayment or into a savings account or, or whatever it is. So what, what do you think the kind of next step in the next you know, six months, year, two years, what does that yeah. look so, like? So those are short-term steps in our mind. I think convenience will be you know, the VRPs. So let's say that's within a year. Yeah. Open banking you know, from a competitive perspective versus the other payment rails, it loses out on convenience. Mm which is why I think it's sort of struggling in B2C. Well, that's your UX piece, right? That just uh, yeah, exactly. Right. But, you know, we're B2B, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's okay. And I think things like consumer protection would be interesting, insurance protection, mm. being able to create better agreements between ourselves and the banks to assure that we're doing the right thing and, you know, making the world a better place by increasing competition, innovation, saving businesses, consumers money while, you know, being fully aware that can be, you know, the product needs to be great. Yeah, makes sense. So, if I had to ask you today, right now, success or failure, open banking, 
One word. Success. Okay, now you, more words. Oh, more yeah. words, right. <laughs> no, I think, it's been, I think it's been a great success. I think where people call it a failure is that they fail to recognize that this is technologically very innovative. Mm. And I read a friend of mine wrote something the other day in some article. It's like calling the internet a failure in 1993. Yeah. It's, it's, this is new. And it's growing, and it's not just growing in the UK, and it's not just growing in the EU, it's growing in Brazil and um, Mexico, and all the way around the world. And it's a new system of, you know, disintermediating these, you know. There's been a lot of money spent on it. You know, it seems like two billion or something over the last few years. We didn't spend two billion. No, we, we, <laughs> we have not spent two billion pounds. I'd love to. But, you know, in, with the benefit of hindsight, do you think we'd take different steps to get to where we are today? I mean, obviously, I think that's an easy, uh, every founder's least favorite question, I feel like. What would you do differently if you could restart your business? But if you could restart the open banking journey, do you think there are inflection points that you'd look at and say, well, because, mm. I mean, like, OBI has yes. just, like, become this massive entity that was never, uh, it was never supposed to be. Open banking would do a lot better with a lot stricter, tighter regulation. When you're writing an API that has to be read by a machine, like, there should be no room for interpretation. Yeah. And <laughs> there is right now. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of room for improvement from that perspective. And that needs to be a top-down sort of implementation. So, yes, like it's all great that we're all saying how successful open banking is, or maybe some people aren't. Yeah. But most are. Yeah, most swear. are. Yeah. It's also important to realize that there's a lot of room for improvement. Sure. And someone needs to take control, and that person should probably be a computer engineer. Yeah. yeah. Some multilateral tech framework that yeah. allows us to... Who has written and worked with APIs beforehand. Yeah. Cool. Well, just for the sake of Cresco and, and what comes next, like what, what are you up to over the course of the next year or two? Uh, reveal our backlog. Moving... The, the short, the medium, and the long term, it's, you know, we believe open banking is a global movement. So it's not about staying in the UK or Ireland yeah. or France or Spain. It's really about assuring that we can connect to as many different banks around the world. And cool. that would be very exciting for us. You know, we need uh, more time and uh, resources, but we would love to be handling sort of more cross-border payments and cross-border B2B payments. Neat. Awesome. If people want to find you, where do they look? Probably uh, just go to cresco.com and, you know, that would be it, or LinkedIn or something like that. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Ralph, it's been a pleasure. Thank well, you for thank joining Thank you very me. much. Yeah, of yeah. course. And uh, tune in next time for another episode of FinTech Walkabout. Thank you. Nice one. Great. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah.